part three. Follow us over on the social medias. It's at Halloween is forever pretty much everywhere. Or if you want to support the show another way, uh, you can go on your favorite podcatcher app and you can go in and, and write us a little bit of review. Give us a, the maximum amount of stars. Uh, we will accept no less stars than that. Go on there, and then you write a little thing underneath. It goes, hey, these guys. <laughs> and then shoot us a DM. I'll send you some fucking stickers in the mail. Go to patreon.com forward slash Halloween is forever. Um, there's a lot of fun stuff over there. A couple different tiers. For those of you who don't know Sarah, uh, let, let me summarize. Actress, right? Special effects artist, uh, cosplayer, general horror nerd. Uh, dare I say, uh, uh, internet horror personality. Would that be fair to say as well? I have yeah. I have been known to be called that. <laughs> you have been referred to that on on some occasions. <laughs> um, reanimated nerd uh, on the Instagrams, on the social medias. For those of you who don't follow her, go check out. She always posts a lot of cool stuff and cosplays and fun stuff. You know, if you like the type of nonsense we put on the internet, uh, you're certainly going to like what Sarah does. So we're going to backtrack one decade, and we're going to wrap up this evening. With you boys, pick. I'm going back to 1973 um, with a little flick called Torso, directed by, uh, and and I did this on purpose, not Dario Argento, not Mario Bava. I'm going with Sergio Martino, you guys, the unsung fucking just hero of the giallo genre i'm being dramatic um but he does he actually has a pretty wild like wildly diverse set of directorial credits if you go on imdb and you look up what's that he's made some really good stuff he has and he and it's like it's really all over the place i mean westerns and giallo like that's not that uncommon to see a director does those two things but also there's comedies on there. There's pure action movies. There's more like romance type movies. I mean, this guy's kind of directed everything. And to do that and then to do a movie like Torso, which ultimately the reason I talked about how I I, I really love The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. And I, like, I kind of joked earlier that I maybe wish I would have picked that one instead. That is perhaps a more not perhaps, I think definitely a more like artfully done movie and perhaps even a more um, purely successful movie in the sense of like what they were trying to accomplish from from a filmmaker's perspective. Like it maybe you could argue tells a little bit more intriguing story. You could argue that it's got some more interesting like cinematic uh, like some more interesting cinema cinematography. Um, you might even argue that Bird with the Crystal Plumage has more like better performances. But the reason yeah. I picked Torso and I'm like, it sounds like I'm digging myself into a hole, right? But the reason I picked <laughs> Torso is because I don't think this movie gets the credit it deserves for influencing the slasher genre in general and ultimately Western mm -hmm. horror like torso. I, I genuinely think of as one of the top five most influential movies to like modern horror and specifically modern Western horror and, and the slasher genre, which is you could argue is the most 
prolific subgenre in 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 American horror. Um, like there's just so many mm-hmm. things that pop up in this movie that you just see a one to one connection with what was taken from this movie and then applied to the big tentpole franchises that you think of when you think of horror, you, you know, U.S. horrors, you know, Halloween and Friday the 13th and, and that sort of stuff. So we'll get into it a little bit more detail. But like I said, 1973. Sergio Martino's torso. So this movie um, is grimy. It is sleazy. It is grimy. It is. Titties. Uh, 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 Nineteen seconds in, you get tits. so many titties in this movie. I mean, it is just like <laughs> tits and uh, and just violence and just like it is just a dirty, grimy ass movie. My first note for this movie is literally 19 seconds in hits. Yeah, it's it is. This is a fucking grindhouse movie. This is a movie that you would have expected to see like in, you know, a block off of Times Square in New York in 1973, 1974, like at a theater that where your feet fucking stick to the ground. Right. Um, So. It really like it hits the ground running. Like you said, first of all, you are literally start off with a with an orgy photo shoot <laughs> kind of scenario. <laughs> you get yeah. your you, you get your classic Italian uh, a doll orgy photo shoot uh, as any self-respecting 70s Italian film should start out with. Um, you just get some people like having a you don't know exactly how many people there's just like there's boobs, there's butts, there's grabbing, there's groping. There's a lot going on. Um, and it's happening in like some kind of, uh, you know, ha- kind of a hazy fog of, of, of horniness. And, but you also see some dolls like, like, like baby dolls lying around and you're like, what the fuck is happening here? This is chaotic. <laughs> I don't trust this movie. Um, it's not, uh, it's not too dissimilar from the uh, the scene in Death Game, with the, with the threesome in that movie, where it's just like a bunch of skin all over the place, and it's but it's all blurry and like you know uh, soft focus. <laughs> well, and and like seventies, like you know, sex scenes, like Italian sex scenes, especially if there's more than two people involved, you're never really sure what type of sex act they're performing it just seems like they're rubbing each other vigorously trying to like get a get a get like somebody's got a cramp and you got to just rub it out (laughs) you know that's kind of what's happening um it's not very erotic it's more like you know you're trying to start a fire with friction on somebody's body that's essentially (laughs) what you're trying to accomplish so after that whole thing which you you glean very little from it's just, you know, setting setting the scene. Like, first of all, that this movie's going to be, you know, sweaty and sexy and grimy and gritty and sleazy. But also, it's like, here's something that we're going to call back to later, right? So now you get these students in this art institute, and they're taking this kind of like artsy fartsy uh, class with this professor, and then they're chatting them up after class, talking about art shit, and he's kind of like kind of receptive to it but you know he's the professor they're the students and you know so they're doing this little like flirty chat about artsy fartsy stuff 
And then seven minutes in, we have our second sex scene. And this one is 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 in the back of a mini, like a mini Cooper, the car, which is in and of itself impressive. It's like the most Italian thing I can think of is like having mm-hmm. sex in the back of a tiny little car. Um, but this couple who are banging in the back of this this mini Cooper are getting proud on some someone be proud on them. And you get the first look at, at the killer. This So this movie hits the ground fucking running. So you already get the first look of the killer, you know, less than 10 minutes in. And this is one of the things I love the most about um, this movie is the killer. And specifically, it reminds me of how and this is this is what I'm talking about. And this first one, I, I maybe a little bit more stretched than other ones, but like the blandness of this mask and the fact that it took almost no time or effort to put together, but is nonetheless super impactful, just screams Halloween to me, right? Um, it is, I, I don't even know how to describe what this mask is because it's not like a balaclava, right? No. It's not, it's, it's more like if somebody had a very large, dirty sock and then put it over their head and then cut holes for their face holes. Do, <laughs> do, do you know what it is? It's what? You, you know how like Spider-Man has like the very shitty early suit that he has. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This is the very shitty early suit version of Frankenstein from Death Race. <laughs> Death Race 2000. Yes, you're right. It is a little bit like that. because And because you can see so much of his lips. I was literally thinking that. I was literally fucking thinking that. It is. It's not David Carradine, but it has, it gives David Carradine vibes. Yeah, because of Mm -hmm. the, uh, because of the weird, uh, the weird, like the way it's cut is haphazard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're seeing a little bit too much of his mouth. You're seeing a like not enough of his eyes. Like it was cut oh, by somebody who didn't like his eyes are pinholes, but his mouth is like overexposed. You know what I mean? It's right. just, it, it, it's haphazard. It really wasn't someone who knew how to use scissors. No, it's it's haphazard. It's not. Thang- this is guy's not a criminal mastermind. Right. Um, so. You know, they they think this guy's not a crafty person. No, and he's not crafty at all. This is not Martha Stewart, right? He's he's <laughs> out here creeping on this couple. The guy, you know, is like, Oh, we're getting peeped on. So he takes off after the peeper. Um, who the peeper, the the killer, is built, and this is I think this is no uh, uh coincidence. I think this is this speaks to the Italian heritage of this movie. The the killer, I'm pretty sure, is the inspiration for Waluigi. <laughs> and like just all <laughs> ah, gangly arms and legs. <laughs> like just imagine Waluigi, the way he runs. It's just super long, gangly limbs. This guy is Waluigi. I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's just like peeping on people. And the fact that this in 1973 could have been a young Waluigi is totally feasible. I believe the timelines match up. Um, in any case, um, 
So kills the boyfriend kind of off screen and then strangles the girlfriend. Not that big of a deal. But then the brutalness comes in when he like essentially like reverse spatchcocks this poor girl with a knife with like a buck knife. Um, And it's just like you get this like. I don't know if it's like a plaster cast or some sort of like prosthetic they do of the woman's torso, uh, the titular torso. And he like cuts her open and it's it's like fairly brutal. It's not I wouldn't say the practical effects are fantastic, but it's just like really overtly violent and grimy. The practical effects get better as this movie gets like as the movie goes on. I noticed Mm -hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it looked the body looked like a pinata. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, 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 it does. It gets which is the inverse of what you normally see. You normally see like the practical effects like team like kind of shoot their wad early in the movie, and then it maybe gets progressively worse. This is the inverse. Not to say later on everything's perfect, but like it gets better throughout the movie because mm-hmm. this is like the first thing, and it's like I don't know who knows. Maybe it was shot out of order. Who knows. Um, but anyway, you get, um, you get introduced to a billion characters, right? So you get Carol, she's this girl, you know, on campus, she's introduced to this creepy merchant guy in the street who sells among other things, scarves, which will come to, which will become important. So he's your first like real red herring. Um, and then you get Daniela who's talking, um, to there's Daniela. There is, uh, uh, the, the woman who was killed the night before is their friend. Her name was Flo. Um, and Daniela, or they come to call her Danny. She's a redhead. She tells Carol, um, the one brunette that, that Flo was killed. Uh, she was friends with Flo. Carol's very distraught by this. Um, you get Professor, the Professor, which I wrote it down later, but I don't have it at this point in my notes. I think his name is, is it Franz? What's yeah, his name? Yeah, it's Franz. Yeah, yeah it's Franz. Professor Franz. He's talking to this American student, which becomes a, a key character, um, named Jane. So this is where I get Jane. We were talking about the last movie. And they're in this church and they start to get like a little romantic, a little flirty. And you come to learn Jane is this American student studying in Rome. And she has started to develop this relationship, this connection with with Professor Franz. Um, You also get these other, like I said, the clandestine uh, uh, meetings start to happen. You start to get this idea that like Carol is sneaking around. You don't necessarily know to what capacity, but like, you know, a bunch of people are, are, are doing sexy things behind the scenes that you don't know about this whole group <laughs> of group of, uh, of, um, uh, 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 of, of young college folks. Um, you get to meet this guy, this like jilted fucking, incel guy um who is all about danny but she's just not having him and you 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 come to learn his name is stefano um and he goes and like picks up a sex worker he's he's a real piece of work stefano is um he he 
he tries she tries to get him all horned up with the promise of Swedish porn, but he's not he's not <laughs> not even Swedish porn can can get Stefano over not uh, even over not even over her uh, <laughs> over over his uh, his hangups around Danny. Um, but then the, 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 the sex worker starts like insulting him. Um, and, uh, and then, um, then he just starts wailing on her. Like I said, he's not, he's not a cool guy. Um, she no. runs out and, and you really don't know what his deal is. You just know Stefano, not cool. Less than cool. Not guy. cool. Basically every male character in this film is some sort of dangerous sex pest. Yes. <laughs> sex pest. Like <laughs> everyone. And 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 not even the characters that we're introduced to, just random bystanders on the street yeah. are yeah, sexual predators. One hundred percent of men. And they actually go so far as to in at least two, if not more scenes, have a street scene where they are showing either the actual or internal dialogue of just pedestrians that right. are men. And they're all like, I wouldn't mind fucking. Yeah, go, uh. They're just like, they're all disgusting <laughs> predators. It's, Literally everyone. It's, yeah. It's so like, I mean, and this is further along in the film, but it's in the villa scenes, but it's like this, it's just a group of perverts and like they're all oh, just they're like, like walking in the town square too and yeah, they, yeah 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 and, and like one of them's just like yeah there's like eight of them so that means that there's eight legs and eight boobs and four <laughs> butts and i can't get away i can't wait to get all of them These four sets of buttocks is like the way yeah. they translate it but the thing is that scene at least it plays a purpose because they discover that an, another person's there. We'll get to it later. Mm -hmm. But like, yes, this town is absolutely infested by roving bands of perverts. <laughs> just about, <laughs> just out in the open, just wandering about. It's chaotic. It's chaotic. Um, so, um, Carol, again, we get the idea Carol's up to no good. She goes off with these two biker guys. When I say bikers, I'm not talking about like Hell's Angels, like American badass biker guys. I'm talking about a couple of twinks on little motorbikes, <laughs> but that's the Italian equivalent of the, uh, you know, Hell's Angels. And and, well, and well, they the go one guy looks the one guy looks like uh, the the lead from Pieces. He does. <laughs> He's just he got does, the little, right. uh, he's got the little fro and he has yeah, the little dirt bike. He's yeah, so cool. They both are riding like little motorbikes. Right. Um, and, and then you get this POV. So, so Steve, you mentioned we get POV stuff in this movie, but not like it's not as prominent, but you get like a POV mm. of a, of a guy riding a car, driving around in a little tiny car. All cars are tiny in Italy. Right. So they're mm -hmm. driving around a little tiny car. We get we talked about the weird mask the killer wears. One other characteristic thing that he has, there's a couple, one we'll get to in a second, but the other one is he's got gloves, black gloves. You know, you think of the black glove killer, common trope in Giallo, but he's got like almost bikerish type of gloves where they have like an open back to them. So they're very yeah. recognizable. They're not just regular black gloves. They're kind of recognizable. They're like if you cut the fingers off them, they would be in like they would look very at home on a streets of rage character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so you cut to this like Carol has headed with the two bikers to a hippie orgy um, where everyone is just like strung out on the weeds. <laughs> like it's imagine an opium den, but it's weed. <laughs> That's right. essentially what we're what we're I- interacting with here. It's weed, and they're laying on pallets in mud and listening to fucking knockoff clearance clear water. And yeah. <laughs> It's just like it's the it, the vibes are bad. Like I wouldn't want to party there. It's a bad vibe. The light is too high. There's too much light. It's bright in there. There's just like random couples and 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 like threesomes happening on again, just like dirty mattresses and pallets in what essentially is like an abandoned warehouse, I guess. And the center, the center, the thing that apparently everyone is watching is just a random girl dancing topless. That's that's what's happening. And I'm like, this is yeah, the the vibes are bad. They're all passing joints and they're treating the treating it like, like I said, it's like it's a fucking opium den. Right. And um, and. Carol starts making out with with the two motorcycle boys and then she like, uh, you know, pops her boobies out and you think they're going to have a whole big thing. And then Carol just like turns on him and is like, "Ah, you're a fucking turd and just like puts her joint out on his belly, which is a harsh thing to do. Like, that's not what weed does. Like, no one smokes weed and is like, I can't wait to like surprise someone by this. putting a joint out on them like yeah it's yeah. just he, he she really harshens the whole vibe even further um and then sh- then then she just like bails out into the night right and uh and when when the two like you know biker kids decide like that wasn't cool we're gonna go out there and like beat her up because we're cool guys or whatever we're 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 badass bikers um she's she's just wandering around in the woods at this point because she's got she's got poo brains because she smoked too much grass and she wanders into this just like swampy woods this is one of my favorite scenes and this is one of the reasons i picked this movie is this mm-hmm. movie does a tremendous job of maybe the only one of my favorite examples of day for night it just is yeah. creepy and dreamlike. Like they just pull it off in a way that makes everything seem very creepy and very dreamlike. Day for night in and of itself is kind of flawed, right? It never looks right. totally natural. But the way they play it off here, it looks better than most. But it also just like I said, it just feels it feels very dreamlike, which is something I associate with Giallo. Yeah, I think it also works because it's not it, it isn't necessarily set up as like this is night nighttime like it's this like could dusk. be. Tw- yeah, it could be twilight. So it like is OK mm-hmm. and that, like kind of adds to the danger of like, well, the sun's still kind of up, but like yeah. we're just because we're in the woods, you can imagine like it's the cover of the trees and and there's mist. It's it's very misty right. as well. So it's like the yeah. temperature's dropping. So there's some some fog about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- like this is my favorite scene as well, just because also and you, you mentioned it before we started on this film that, uh, you know, it's so inspirational for other things. And like in this scene, you can see how much of that can also be tied to like the Friday the 13th with the mist totally. and the killer just appearing and disappearing and. 
uh also feels a bit like um the burning just yeah, very much so and the, yeah, the so. stalking and the falling and the slipping in the elements and slipping in the mud uh, like how many times like that's become a full-on slasher trope right like, no that i can't i i don't think this that was happening in this capacity you know before this movie um or at least yeah. not as as blatant you know example of what is now a trope yeah i mean it's hard to say that considering that like this movie predates black christmas and black christmas predates halloween mm-hmm. so like those you know the the things that we consider uh you know like the western i mean they kind of all kind of happen at the same time because mm-hmm. what uh texas chainsaw is 74 right right so like yeah all of these movies kind of almost happen at the same time but they they don't necessarily influence each other but they all go on to influence everything that comes after them. Yeah, so. exactly. And that's why I think of this movie as more of a direct influence on Halloween, Friday the 13th. You know, it's the, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's the young, you know, co- in this instance, college students, um, you know, kind of left to their own devices, getting mm-hmm. high and you get mm-hmm. high and you get killed. You, you get high, right. you get drunk, <laughs> you have sex, you have sex, you end up killed. in the woods you're fucking dead. You know what I mean? Like how, how familiar does all that sound? Right. Right. Um, and then also just great sound design here as well. Um, so I, I, I just love the sound design throughout this whole, this whole, uh, scene. Um, <clears throat> so Carol starts to get the heebie jeebies out in the woods. And at first you don't know if it's because she just has poo brains or if, or what's happening. So you, you almost get this like paranoid. She starts to get paranoid and you start to get like paranoid with her. You know, you're mm-hmm. like, is she imagining this or is something really dangerous there? And then the killer pops out. I mean, like out of nowhere from behind a tree and just like scares her boobs out. Right. <laughs> so she's like, ah, and her boobs <laughs> pop out. Um, and then so then Carol gets strangled with this scarf that the killer's wearing and simultaneously drown in the mud and it's like it's a pretty brutal scene and then she gets this whole like post-mortem torso massage um before you get the killer's flashback to the dolls from the original you know orgy scene and then the killer gouges her eyes out as you see that he does with the dolls um, or that somebody does with the dolls in his flashbacks. So he does the old like fingies in the eye sockets thing <laughs> before he essentially like fucking butterflies her with a knife, kind of like the last victim. You don't know if he's treating them like dolls or inanimate objects or you're not exactly sure what's happening, but you get this cool scene of like the blood going into the mud, um, which is kind of cool and and just really an insanely impactful scene overall and, and and one that undoubtedly was was, you know, super influential to like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of future slasher movies, as is some other scenes in this movie as well. But especially this one um, and, and scenes like that that happen early in movies always get more credit, more view like it's just it's early on. So it's going to stand out. Um mm-hmm it's just going to stand out more because it's early in the movies. Like that's just a hallmark of, of the genre. But um, everyone 
you know, you also get this thing of like everyone starts suspecting everyone else um, in terms of all the like co-eds. You know, Danny suspects the motorcycle guys, which we saw crash. So we kind of know it wasn't them. Um, and and by the way, their names, Peter and George. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, <laughs> and then the killer calls and threatens Danny. Um, and then you get this these like really the only time cops really come into the picture too much in this movie. And they're questioning this this creepy merchant that we were introduced earlier to. Um, and you learn their, their question about the scarf because they found the scarf at the scene of the crime. Oh, what's happening with the scarf? You, do you have the scarf? Well, I did at one point, but I don't anymore. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, he, he's like, I don't fucking know nothing, you know? And then he was obviously lying. Cause the first thing he does is go and call someone, just a random person on the phone, which we don't know. Uh, who it is and says like, basically I know you who killed, you know, you killed somebody and give me the fucking, you know, you got to give me some fucking money. So he does this whole like extortion thing with the person that he knows is, is the killer. So now you get back to, you know, incel Stefano and he's back at it with Danny. And then she remembers like, he's like harassing her and she remembers him wearing that scarf and he goes and tells Jane and he's like, oh, it's Stefano. Stefano's the killer because he has the same scarf that that the killer had because the cops come in and like show the whole class because this entire college consists of fucking one class, apparently. Um, and tells yeah. them to tells them the, <laughs> gather them all together. <laughs> yeah, they just like there's a multi-purpose room that is like a cathedral. And I'm like, ah, maybe that's how mm-hmm. things are in Italy. I don't know. Um but but he showed them the scarf, so they kind of know apparently what you know what what happened with that with that scarf. Um, the creepy merchant is run down pretty quickly for extorting the money from the killer, so you kind of see that coming. But he does this whole like his head gets smashed by the car, you know, between a building, and it's 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 a pretty pretty um, pretty unbelievable, but like chaotic scene yeah it's unbelievable because there's a lot of squealing of tires on grass Grass. and mud that's not how (laughs) that works like this little like fucking italian car just like run just just fucking you know serpentine back and forth you know what i mean or you know whatever it's called like don't don't just run and like stand against a wall like that's literally the only thing you could do that are end up with you dying but like (laughs) hey hey, you know whatever he's he's a goofy guy or just jump on top of the hood. It's not that hard. It's not that high of a jump. It's not going fast. It's not going fast. Um, climb a small tree. You'll be fine. Um, yeah. But anyway, Jane goes to, you know, the sensible thing, which is go see Stefano. Um, but instead finds like a parrot and some dolls. So they're really setting up Stefano as 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 the killer here. So he's a big, big red herring. Um, plus you see this like unfinished letter to Danny that says like she promised him something when they were children and, and suggest that, you know, she had earlier suggested that he's been doing this for like 10 years. So you're like, they're really laying it on thick that Stefano is, is the guy, um, which, you know, which he tells us as the audience is probably not the case. Um, and then you start getting 
introduced to the shifty eyed, like handsome creep around town who's like ogling <laughs> Danny and on the train. And you're like, who's this motherfucker all of a sudden? And then it takes you like the fourth time you see the guy and you're like, should I know who this guy is? But, but ultimately <laughs> you learn that he's a doctor. Yeah, I think I think they mention he's a doctor once early in the right. scene with with Carol in the shopper and uh, the shopkeep. They do a good job of setting up the doctor as the other red herring because you see him buying the scarf. Um, yeah. And then he also is uh, in a in a, a doll shop, which I think oh, I think I Danny sees him through shop. the window. Yeah. I think Danny sees him through the window at the doll shop and then, you know, but he's just generally a creep, you know, he's but just he's, creeping around. He's got shifty eyes. He's looking side to side, yeah. you know, a lot. He's doing the thing that like Scooby-Doo bad guys do. Um, but anyway, he's <laughs> he's uh, he like, yeah, uh, especially when the merchant. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the merchant's the one who calls him like doctor something or whatever yeah. at some point. Um. <laughs> But yeah, this movie, you know, we talked about like this movie should be called male gaze the movie because it's just constantly (laughs) every male human just like, I mean, it's not uncommon for the genre, but like the director goes to great lengths to just characterize Italian society as just like sex crazed, like specific, like everyone, but the men are specifically like predatory. The women mm-hmm. are like, are, 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 are like, they're like virtuous women. And then there's women who are just like, you know, asking for it. That's kind of like the message is like, right. These ladies are asking for it, which is like, obviously very, um, disconcerting, but that is the vibe. The director really seems to be communicating. And that's why I mean, like this movie is sleazy. It's like every, woman is like a seductress and every guy is like a horn dog predator. Yeah. Um, well, even, even the women who aren't uh, being a seductress, like, uh, uh, like Jane, it doesn't or even matter. Just a victim. Yeah. Not even necessarily right. seductress. That's probably not fair to characterize it that way. It's every woman is a would be victim. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you can, I think you get examples of that with, um, I don't I don't know their names offhand, but the, mm-hmm. the two women that accompany them to the villa, the uh the black woman and her uh lover. Yeah, yeah. Like they are definitely putting on a show when they're around the villagers and everything. Like they're Yes, they're, they are trying to attract attention to themselves and right. like sexual attention, very desperately trying to do that. The yeah. way they're sit like the way they're 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 just putting themselves in positions to try to attract attention. Yeah. Right. Or even like when they're not in the villa, like they're, they're all constantly like sunbathing in the nude and like Mm -hmm. not, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's super gratuitous. Yeah. So like, so you have those examples of them, but then you also have Jane who really doesn't do anything like that at all. But the point Mm -hmm. is, is like, it doesn't matter how you behave. Because mm. the Italian men are just going to be dangerous sex pests. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? You do get introduced to another red herring, which is Balak, which is the town incel shoemaker. 
um, mm-hmm. who gets introduced, you know, fairly far along. Um, <laughs> and, but he's cartoonish. He's cartoonish. Yeah. Yeah. He's cartoonish. It, at no point do you think like he's the killer, but it's just, mm. it's just funny because I had him and the bread and milk guy down as night simpleton and day simpleton because (laughs) yeah 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 like like that's just when they're they're like on shifts like they're just the village idiot at different times of the day balak is you know the nighttime simpleton where like he comes out and he does creeps and pests and peeps yeah and then you know in the morning the 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 daytime simpleton comes out and delivers your delivers your bread and milk (laughs) yeah with his fucking little flat this little hat flipped up but yeah yeah, so so the girls are are gonna go up. You you learn so like Anne the 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 couple that you mentioned, which I don't I couldn't tell if they were a couple before they showed up or they just kind of had like that like interlude while they were there. But um, them and Carol, they're all gonna go on a you know basically a little girls' weekend up to a villa overlooking the entire town. To celebrate the fact that oh, and Danny to celebrate mm-hmm. the fact that Flo was murdered. I'm not really sure why they're doing this. <laughs> Seems inopportune time, but whatever. They're going to this little girls' weekend up on on the mountain. Danny realizes that uh, you know at this point that Stefano wasn't the one wearing the scarf. Um, weirdly enough, so she's kind of like, oh, maybe it wasn't Stefano. But um, you have, you know, you, you get cut back to town and you have like a rowdy, you know, group of roving sexual predators that we were talking about. And one of the quotes I wrote down, they say all types of wild stuff. But one of them was, yeah. if I had a second with her, I'd knock her up. And then his <laughs> friend goes, what do you got? Sperm vision? <laughs> like, sir, sir, sir. Nope. That doesn't no. make any fucking sense. You guys, what do you, you got? Guys, come eyes. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I just would like, I fight. I just, you want to walk up to this group of like scrawny little Italian, you know, fucking, and just smack, you just want to smack them in the face. Like, what do you, <laughs> shut up. You shut your goddamn mouth. You're not funny. You shut up. Hey, what are um, you doing? We're on our way to Cat Call, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's literally what they are. That's exactly what they're doing. Um, so, you, you you know, they're up at the villa. This killer is kind of peeping in on the girls and you think it's Palak, but Palak because Palak is there, but there's two different peepings happening. You got the killer peeping Double and then peep. you also have Palak peeping and then the killer flashes his knife at Palak and he's like, beat it. This is my peeping spot. And <laughs> Palak just like, ah, runs away. <laughs> and then, um, Palak, uh, not not everyone's gonna get. Palak looks like John from John and Eight, John and Kate plus Eight. You remember that? That, uh, oh, that fucking, okay. uh, Do you remember that? It was like an early reality yeah. TV show about this couple that had like octuplets. Um, and and he looks like him. He looks and I was like, who does he look like? It took me a good half hour to realize who Palak looks like. Um, anyway, Palak, as you might expect, he gets killed and they fucking hawk him down a well. So like, who fucking cares? He was a short lived, uh, 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 red herring. Um, and, and like you were just seeing, I haven't talked about it a ton, but the, the boobs per minute in this scene is 
unbelievable. The, like the, you scarcely go five minutes without seeing boobs in this movie. Pretty much. It's an all, it might be an all time record. It's um, I, I mean, they just they they do a good pacing of boobage is what it is. Yeah. It's just like it is. It's just like right when you forget that boobs exist, they show you them again. Hey, remember yeah. boobs? And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll do a scene of like, you know, important business and then they'll do boobs is what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. This is a boob movie. We remember. Um, so, you know, they're doing the whole girls, girls night up there. Jane falls down the stairs and hurts her ankle. Um, you know, the reason this this becomes very important because they call the cops and 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 they got this kid, right? He's he's a guy who they made arrangements with in town to every morning bring them fresh milk and bread for their town. Because when you think about a good, you know, I guess in 1973, you know, like jewels and 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 like white claws, the equivalent of jewels and white claws was fresh bread and milk, I guess, for the girls weekend, <laughs> because every every morning they 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 have this little dorky guy. The guy you mentioned is like, you know, the daytime moron. Um, he's going to come up and deliver them fresh milk and bread. Um <laughs> So you also have this this shifty eyed, you know, the handsome guy from the train we talked about. We you know, he they call they say, you know, call the call the doctor and they call him. And that's who it is. Right. It's it's handsome, shifty eyed guy. He comes up to see about Jane's ankle, says uh, it's hurt, but gives her just like pain meds. Have some pain meds. You'll be fine. Um you get some more like naked fro- frolicking and like Stefano is lurking about and you're like, well, maybe it is Stefano. You're not quite sure. Jane decides that evening to, to, to have an old, uh, you know, the, the Italian Italian national pastime, which is pain meds chased with wine. Um, so yeah. he has, has some <laughs> booze, has some pain meds and, and just passes the fuck out. Um, so we we don't know at this point, but but uh, the the phone doesn't work. We learned the phone doesn't work. And the girls, sans Jane, because she's upstairs in a in a coma, um, are like uh, hanging out downstairs, drinking, you know, doing whatever. And somebody buzzes at the door and they're like, who who's at the door? Well, it's Stefano. They're like, oh, God damn it, Stefano. He's crazy. But Stefano's dead. And he like flops in. He somebody has killed him and, and his his corpse flops in the door. Um, and then you 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 kind of jump cut to the next morning, and you see someone burying Stefano in the garden in the morning. And then you see Jane, who's in the upstairs bedroom. Jane wakes up from, you know, her near-death experience the night before of mixing (laughs) drugs and alcohol. And she (laughs) limps down the stairs, and she finds the rest of the girls are all dead. Except for Danny. She's just mostly dead, and then quickly becomes dead. Um, And then the killer, which we have obviously not seen the killer's face, uh rolls in with a hacksaw starts dismembering the bodies as Jane kind of hides and like tries not to barf and it's like a pretty intense scene you know it's a lot of like Jane close-ups of her like flop sweating and crying and trying not to be heard as the killer is like dismembering bodies with a hacksaw 
Um, the milk and bread guy shows up. He leaves it on the steps, um, which makes like a for a great like suspenseful moment. Jane starts trying to signal people down in town with like a mirror, trying to get people's attention uh, from the villa. And the only person that notices it is the shifty eyed doctor, which at this point you're kind of convinced might be the killer. You're not sure. Um, the phone doesn't work, obviously. So this is kind of her only method. Um, and, but, but you're like, it's not the doc because the doc was just down there and the killer was just the hoy up the mountain. So it's, it seems unlikely that it's the doc. And we know it's not Stefano cause he just got dead. And it's not the creepy shoemaker. He got dead. Right. So now you're starting to like whittle down who's left. Right. Yeah. It's it's a matter of just like the the editing, not giving enough room to maintain the uh, the belief that it's the doctor because they're the I feel like in this scene, like the um, the killer knows uh, Jane is still in the house, which is why he well, didn't kill her. And he's kind of just to, keeping her hostage. Well, so this is kind of interesting because um, you, you, you kind of don't know it at one point. But so. So so kind of here's what happens, right? The the doc sees the distress signal and tries to call up to, to the villa, but the phone doesn't work. So you're like, OK, it's not the doc. But again, we know it's not Stefan. We know it's not the shoemaker. So like we got a couple of people in our head. It could be. So the car. So so we didn't talk about this earlier, but like Jane left her car to get washed at the service mm-hmm. station, which I'm pretty sure is a service station from from um, from Blood and Black Lace. Blood and Black Lace. Was it, yeah, earlier. Um, and, and, and basically says like, hey, I'll come back and pick it up tomorrow or whatever. So. um he comes up with Jane's car um, while the guy's dismembering. Jane knocks, you know, down a chair and alerts the killer because she's like trying to look out the window, trying to get the attention of the guy who brought her car back. And the killer hears a noise upstairs, goes up to investigate. Jane hides in the closet. He doesn't find her, but he locks the door, which would suggest to us that he knows maybe something is up. But yeah. then, you know, but then in, in, in another kind of suspense scene, he recognize he sees a, sh- he sees shoes on the steps and he decides to come back and, and like look around a little bit. He's like, those shoes belong to somebody whose body I'm not seeing here. Right. And then the doctor comes back up the mountain um, cause he's like trying to, he's treating somebody else who lives on the mountain. It's just like, like kind of slightly comical scene. And he like pulls over, he gets rear ended by this truck and then just like flees the scene of the accident. Um, which I, that accident looks so real. Like, like does, I mean, it looks like they actually did like a little fender bender there. Yeah. Yeah, like, did they just leave the actors in that car and just plow into it? Like, I don't plow into it with a fucking truck, like a box truck. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. It does. It does. It didn't seem didn't seem staged. It seemed like a real little weird fender bender because he like drives up the back of this because he's driving like a Volkswagen Beetle, you know, mm-hmm. he, like drives up the back of this Beetle. But 
anyway, um, you know, we are getting like doll flashbacks and stuff, but but ultimately the doc goes up and like talks to the people at the service station because he wants to get his car fixed. And then that's when he's like, whose car is that? Oh, that's the other girl who's up there and she hasn't got her car and yada yada. So now he's like, well, she might be up there and in trouble. So some time is passing here and it's kind of a vague passing of time that's happening because the killer has essentially went down back down to town and he had locked that door up there but he didn't find anybody so he was kind of unsure whether somebody was there or not he had found three bodies he had cut up three bodies three three other girls or four other girls i think three other girls i guess um but then the thing that tips him off is when he's down down in the town and he hears a roving band of perverts say like hey there was a uh, four boob eight boobs and in butts and you know he's like saying all this you know perv stuff about how many girls were up there and that is uh kind of tips him off to say oh no there's a fourth girl up at the villa that was unaccounted for so which is kind of a cool little reveal honestly and like that's that's kind of what like gives her away um but the doc heads up to inspect things after the whole car situation at the, at the service station. And then you get this great scene and, and probably my favorite scene in the movie, aside from the, the woods, you know, kill early on. So Jane is has been locked in the room and she's trying to, like, get people's attention, you know, whatever. She's not she 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 has no way to escape. She's got a fucked up ankle. She tries to do this little trick with a newspaper where she tries to basically the 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 key was left in the other side of the door that locked her in so she's trying to knock that key out of the other side of the door but put a newspaper down slid under the door so it catches the key and then she can slide the key back under the door to 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 where to her side of the door so it's kind of an interesting little trick She's doing this, and as she's doing it, the killer is watching her from the other side of the door and sees what she's doing, which is like alarming to the viewer already. And then she knocks the key out, and the key misses the newspaper. So you're partly like, oh no, her plan didn't work, but also the killer is watching the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the killer, toying with her, puts the key on the newspaper without her knowing. So she thinks she's been successful in, in her little trick. And then she opens the door and is immediately attacked and big reveal. It's professor Dickweed from earlier. It's professor Franz Franz. Yeah. And he explains in the most giallo explanation ever that, (laughs) He had to do all the killings because they're all just dolls and she's different and yada yada and just like real crazy guy stuff. But the professor, here's how why this happened. The professor saw his little pervert brother <laughs> fall to his death while trying to retrieve a doll for a girl when they were little kids. Now all girls are bad. <laughs> Yes. Now all girls are bad. 
And then it's uh it's Carol and Flo were blackmailing yes. him. Correct. So you so you're like, oh, so so he saw his brother die, so that's why he killed everyone. Oh, that's a little flimsy. <laughs> but then he also goes on to explain that he and Carol and Danny were having doll orgies. <laughs> and that's and they're blackmailing him. And they were making fun of him for for wanting to have doll orgies and being all fucked up. And then that made him mad and he killed him. Yeah. So they have a big fight scene that that's like kind of rules. And like the fucking doc just rolls in right at the nick of time when like he's about to kill. He's about to kill Jane and they have a big old fight scene and he fucking there's fucking drop kicks, fucking European uppercuts, like the whole nine yards. Like they're really going at each other. <laughs> and then eventually a knife comes out and, and and they're they they're fighting like for a long time, like out the door, down the fucking hallway, out through the barn. They're on like the side of the cliff of, of the villa. And the knife comes out. Someone goes off the cliff and you're not sure who. And then, you know, and then you see somebody walking back through. And this is actually a really gutsy shot. That's actually pulled off really well. Because you have this like very dimly lit shot from the opposite side of like a barn. And you just heard someone fall off a cliff and you've got Jane and she's trying to determine who fell. Was it the the was it Doc who, you know, was coming to save her or was it Professor Dickweed who was about to kill her? Because one means she's safe and one means certain death. And. She he falls off the cliff and then you see someone walking in and they shoot it in such a way where it actually looks like it's Professor Dickweed for a second. But it's it's actually the doc. And as he comes closer and I actually rewound this scene because I was like, wait, did they show the professor walking back in and then cut and show the doctor? But no, just the way that they lit it and what they're wearing. It's very ambiguous at first. And mm-hmm. then you learn that it is, uh, uh, you know, then it, you learn that it is the doc and and happy music plays. And then they make <laughs> some comment about, you know, how he came back because of chance or fate or both because of the car accident. And then fucking Professor Dickweed said that this whole ordeal with his pervert brother falling off a cliff and him being crazy was all because of chance or fate or both or whatever. So this, so a chance or fate or both exists. Like I guess it's the final sentiment or whatever. Um, It's it's, yeah. yeah. And that's it. And then the credits roll. It's Italian scripts explaining things away. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Two things I wanted to mention that we just kind of glossed over one back to the accident. Yeah, the yeah. truck driver, he gets out and he's just cursing the doctor up and down. Right. But the scene ends perfectly because as the doctor drives away, he's just like, eh, get my license plate, fucker. And then drives away. And then the, yeah. 
the truck driver ends it with a hey yo yeah hey yo what the fuck you fucking hey, guy over here <laughs> i was like yeah, oh wait real the- italians do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's the most italian scene of all time yep. he's like hey get out give a fuck hey where you fucking going where you think you're fucking where going? you going hey, you're leaving the scene of the accident hey oh hey oh the other is why does jane have a french car with chicago plates in italy <laughs> I have no fucking idea. Well, Jane, I mean, Jane is American. Right. So here's what here. You want me to explain it? Here it here mm-hmm. it is. Jane obviously comes from money. Her parents, uh, she's from Chicago originally. Sure. Um, her dad is a fucking, you, you know, Francophile and bought a French car for her and then brought it over and she drove it around during college and then he shipped it over to her to drive while she was uh studying abroad bingo bango bongo there it is i know i know it's a simple explanation it's just annoying that that somebody would be so it's very so rich to have a french car shipped over to america put chicago plates on it and then ship it back to italy to drive a french car in italy to drive Twice a- across the fucking ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For a shitty Peugeot, too. It's not like a cool one. She's not driving something no. awesome. It's a it's something shitty that any like fucking, yeah, anyone, you know, com- little tiny compact car, anybody yeah. would drive. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I, so, I I like I like a lot of this film. It it doesn't take as much like Tanabre has a lot of like brain power. You have to try to expend and like mm-hmm. it will also come up fruitless to expend that power because you need things explained like all mm-hmm. the all that flashback shit with the red shoes and the woman getting killed you can you'll think yourself you know brain dead trying to figure that out before the ending mm. yeah most of this is like pretty straightforward and then the 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 my brother fell down is just like a hat on a hat <laughs> It sucks. Like, yeah. It doesn't suck. I kind of like, I appreciate it in its contrived laziness. Yeah. Like, I, this is just like the thing that I find most interesting and intriguing about this movie is you see the blueprints of Western slashers mm-hmm. in it. You know, you just see the reflection of what is going to become Western slashers so prominently in this movie right but i yeah you see all that blueprint stuff and just for me like the the brother falling down hat on a hat stuff is not stuff you need to understand because it more just hinges on the blackmail of he had to kill flo and carol because they were blackmailing him and then danny saw him with the scarf so he had to kill danny but danny was in the villa with all the other girls so like it you know I think it had they had to make it him doesn't crazy. take as much brain power as yeah, I think they had to make him crazy mm-hmm. for some reason. And then they went back and 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 just shoved in the, all the doll stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, so, I think that's probably what happened. Yeah. This is like a fairly brainless slasher. But I just mm-hmm. think like they did some things that are really unique for the time. Oh, yeah. And we're frankly like pretty brutal. And then it came to 
you know, this movie, I'm not saying this movie is solely responsible, but I do think it is among the movies that are most responsible for what ultimately became the major tropes in, 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 you know, modern, you know, American slasher movies. For sure. Um, But that doesn't make it, you know, a, a perfect movie, but I think that it makes it far more, you know, influential than, than the other two movies. It's like, uh, it's almost kind of like an archaeological expedition in the way yeah. like you you kind of dust away at something and then you start seeing the gem that's you know buried and you see yeah. like so you see the things like the wood scene and the wood scene is obviously so much so influential on everything that comes after it mm-hmm. so you can dust away those parts and see those great things but then also there's like just all, all that towny stuff fucking just but it's so entertaining like we didn't even talk about like the dumb scene where they just like the girls like the new you know uh you know uh sexy ladies who come into town to join the sexy lady party on top of the mountain um they just like ride a tractor why do they come in and get a tractor we didn't even talk about that it's so silly it is just like Obviously, like our uh, sensibilities on this stuff, like for anybody who's listened to the show for any amount of time understands that our sensibilities are a little different on this stuff because (laughs) I am just like, it's just dumb entertaining. You know what I mean? It's like, right. Oh, like sexy ladies could ride the tractor like that. Just that satisfied (laughs) me for that portion of the movie. Didn't have to have anything to do with anything. Um, and like, I guess I, I don't expect much out of a movie like this in terms of like really being, you know, clever with the plot or whatever. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it already set itself up in the first 10 minutes of just being sleaze and having poop jokes and nudity and, Mm. you know, violence. So like, yeah, it's, you're when it comes to sexy lady tractor ride and like perverts <laughs> down by the river. Yeah. Okay. It's like, it makes sense. It's just, but also, all, I, you're checking all the boxes, Steve. You're checking yeah. all the boxes we need. I just, I just don't know if I think that makes it better than the other films is all. <laughs> yeah. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, well, let, let's, let's establish this. Okay. For those of you who are listening at home that have that have have stuck with us through this this marathon episode here, um, you may have noticed we lost Sarah. Um, she is having internet connection issues. We we believe so. We've lost her. She's not able to reconnect for whatever reason. Um, so, how do you want to go about doing this? Yeah. So, I guess it just becomes a question of like. Are we both vetting or like, are we both voting Tenebrae? Because mm-hmm. then if we are, then Sarah would win. Yeah. So are you voting Tenebrae is like the question. I think I'm voting Tenebrae. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think I am. Okay. As much as I like Blood and, and Black Lace and as much as I've like watched that movie a lot. I, I think Tenebrae the thing that puts Tenebrae over the edge for me is the ending. Mm-hmm. Like there are parts of this movie where like, if it would have had a more pedestrian ending and it was just like, or even if it was like, Oh, it was the interviewer or a, uh, it was the author. And that was it. 
I would have, I, I might have had a harder decision to make, but because of the just batshit nature of the ending, <laughs> which I love, I think I have to go Tenebrae, even though I, I don't think it's as artfully made as a movie. I don't think it's as well shot of a movie. Um, I, I think it has a couple of really memorable performances and it has its own kind of unique style. And then when you got a quote unquote twist ending at the end where the, essentially the main protagonist of the movie is the killer. Then that killer is proven to have tricked everybody with a <laughs> with like a he has a, a backup Wee Herman novelty <laughs> joke chop toy, then kills another cop, then is accidentally shish kebobbed with a piece of art. Like it is just so bonkers. What is the movie? Oh, it's Pete. Like it honestly reminds me of Pieces, the ending mm-hmm. of Pieces, where you're like. Where is this going? Wait, what? How? Why? You know, you're just like shell shocked in the most silly way. This is what that reminds me of. And and I think for that reason, I got to go with Tenebrae. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be going with Tenebrae as well, because Mm -hmm. like I I like Torso. It's it's not my favorite. Um, And I just just like I was already saying it, it has that. uh that un uncut diamond quality about it of like, there's mm-hmm. a lot of good in it and there's, you can see how it's the precursor of a lot of Western slasher films, but Tenebrae feels like it takes the best parts of uh, my film and your film mm-hmm. in that it makes the entire world dangerous. It makes most of the men perverts in, <laughs> in dangerous in some way. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're either sleazy or dangerous. You have clandestine meetings. You have weird dreamlike things happening. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not it, it. You you have some of the kind of colorful garishness, you know, especially as it relates to like the red shoes and the blood. But it's not mm-hmm. as overstated as in like other films. Like it's interesting. Like this film is as muted as it is. Uh, considering Inferno was the film Argento did right before this in 1980. Mm. And Inferno yeah. is still one of those wildly colorful, you know, wacky films. Yeah. So, but yeah, Tenebrae just kind of mixes, mixes everything of the Giallo subgenre into it of like <laughs> black hand killer, straight, straight razor, you know, carrying on fucking, you know, wild architecture, so I, yeah. I don't think it's I like so like I picked torso, you know, a little inside baseball. Why I picked this over Bird with the Crystal Plumage or or a couple other movies that I had uh, on the list, even like um, Bay of Blood. Right. Mm-hmm. Is like torso just felt like a more horror fans horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and then all the influences got me all excited and talking about those. So that's why I picked it. Uh, like I genuinely like bird with the crystal plumage, maybe even blood and black lace, definitely deep red. I like them all more than I like torso, but I was mm-hmm. like this, 
giallo as a subgenre to me can really hinge on like it doesn't feel like horror all the time you know what i mean like i'll go back to we were talking about the top of the show like you know i've been reading the dark tower series by stephen king there's tons of pure horror in that but nobody would say overall that is not nobody but like it's not pure horror right in the sense that some of his other stuff are is Mm -hmm. so like torso is pure horror there's no arguing that blood and black lace bird with the crystal plumage like you could argue like most of it feels more like a thriller whodunit mystery type yeah. of thing mm-hmm. than than a lot of other movies which pulled me away from it you know and tenebrae the reason i didn't pick tenebrae is i honestly didn't remember liking it that much when i watched it before like i've seen Mm -hmm. it before and i honestly think the last couple times i watched it this is a lame excuse but i think (laughs) the last couple times i watched i fell asleep before the ending because i forgot how bonkers the ending was Mm -hmm. yeah like watching it this time was really a surprise where i was like oh jesus christ i this is (laughs) so much more than i remembered and then when i saw the ending i was like fuck i wish i would have picked that yeah i mean the last 15 minutes is so extreme because it like he's cutting the woman's hand off he's axe murdering that woman axe murdering one cop axe murdering another cop killing himself like it's it's just a constant barrage of insanity Mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know that like like i said like i think blood and black lace is a better representation of giallo than tenebrae is Mm -hmm. um Bird with a Crystal Plumage or Deep Red, maybe I would have voted for those. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I, I, I think I definitely like those over Tenebrae. Um, I just think Tenebrae is a little bit better representation than Torso because, like you're saying, Torso is like a pure horror and you know just about a slasher film. But I think the Giallo genre is more about being a whodunit thriller. With the mm. clandestine meetings and the, you know, blackmail and, you know, uh, just kind of everything. Everybody has a motive. Everybody's dangerous. So, I don't mm. know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 All right. Well, what that leads us to is, uh, hey, Sarah, for this and, and for the second month in a row, the guest has taken down uh the showdown they have they're 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 taking that son of a bitch and strap home for the month um steve we we gotta get our shit together is what what we've come to establish i'll stop splitting votes <laughs> i know we gotta stop fucking around here um anyway uh i guess i want to thank uh sarah elizabeth jackson uh reanimated nerd on on, on the on the igs on the social medias um for joining us unfortunately like i said we had some technical difficulties that she she uh wasn't able to finish the episode with us but um uh regardless did take home the fucking w uh on this month's showdown episode so um we will circle back around with with sarah uh about potentially a uh a punishment episode if you will um for for us for for later in the month and then um uh, Brandon Getz, who is our our guest for December, who won, 
Steve, did you mention, I think you mentioned he had a potential punishment episode for us as well. Is that, is that correct? Oh yeah. He's already picked his movie and he would like to do house two. Oh yes. So, uh, later, later in this month, we'll do that kind of makeup punishment episode considering we did a whole bunch of holiday programming for December. We'll do mm-hmm. a makeup punishment episode with Brandon for house two and probably finish out the month with uh who knows what you know uh there's a movie i want to see uh it's called um all neighbors must be destroyed with alex winter oh, okay. and, and jonah ray uh, it's coming okay. to sh- it's coming to shutter i think that it looks uh like a lot of fun so maybe we okay. might do that maybe not who knows I, we'll see <laughs> i now the house franchise I, I have the original house on on vhs i haven't watched it in a minute House two because House and House two have both have Cheers cast members in them. Yes. Um. Uh. Uh. uh one's got John. Is is House two the one with John Ratzenberger? I believe House two is the one with John Ratzenberger because George yeah, Wendt okay, is okay. in House one. Okay, I couldn't remember if George Wendt was in one and John Ratzenberger was in two or vice versa because it has been a little while since I've seen house and and honestly those movies blend together for me a little bit i know some people are like i i like i like both of them they're both just fun bat shit nonsense fucking haunted house monsters and crazy demons shit in the house it's a lot of fun but i could not remember which one but i know they each have independently two different um uh cheer stars um anything else uh that we should mention here before we before we sign off from this this marathon discussion uh no kane hodder plays a gorilla in house too <laughs> oh hell yeah hell yeah we're gonna have a lot to talk about we're gonna have a lot to talk about all right uh for the halloween is forever crew i'm brian and i'm steve all right we'll see you next time okay bye oh, bye